Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Tough Questions. When we follow Jesus as our Lord, we do so by faith, but not blind faith. So somewhere along the way, questions will arise. That's good because seeking answers will help us grow deeper in faith. Tough Questions tackles some of the difficult questions people have about Christianity. During the past several months, as we transition to live streaming our services on Sundays, we have created an online library of videos. If you're interested in listening to or watching any of our previous messages, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. However, moving forward, these messages will be available as part of our sermon podcast as well. Enjoy. Well, again, we want to welcome everybody to Valley Brook, those who are here on our campus in Granby and those who are on our online campus. We're glad you're here. We're in this series where we're looking at some tough questions uh, that Christians have to answer often. And so, uh, you know, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, you can see those. They're on demand on our website. You can watch them and, and go back. And today, let me just sort of set up the, uh, the first question, the, the question for today. So Pastor Tim Keller writes this. The young man in my office was impeccably dressed and articulate. He was an Ivy League MBA, successful in the financial world, and he had lived in three countries before the age of 30. Raised in a family with only the loosest connections to the church, he really had very little understanding of Christianity. And he says, so I was very gratified to learn of his intense spiritual interest and that it had recently peaked as he attended our church. He said he was ready to embrace the gospel, but he had one final obstacle that he wanted to talk about. He said, Pastor, you've said that if you do not believe in Christ, we are lost and condemned. I'm sorry. I just can't buy that. I work with some fine people who are Muslim and Jewish and agnostic, and I cannot believe that they're going to hell just because they don't believe in Jesus. In fact, I cannot reconcile the very idea of hell with a loving God, even a holy loving God. So this young man expressed what many people find as the main objection to the Christian message. They reject the idea of final judgment and hell. So today, the question that we're going to be looking at is how can a loving God send people to hell? You know, it, it might be good before we dig into that question just to, to look at the reality of, of hell according to Scripture. People don't like to talk about this subject, but the topics of hell and eternal punishment are spoken about frequently in the Bible, and Jesus mentions these things quite often. And in fact, the clearest picture of eternal punishment and hell is one that Jesus himself gives in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, the unrighteous will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, in the story, Jesus is telling us that we will be held accountable for the decisions we make in our earthly lives. So we will spend eternity either in a place of eternal punishment or a place of eternal blessing based on what we decide in this life. 
Now, in another part of Matthew, Jesus gives us some insight into what heaven and hell are like. He tells a story about heaven, and he says it's like a wedding banquet that everybody is invited to, and the wedding banquet is thrown by a king for his son. Now, see the connection there between God sending his son, Jesus, to earth. In the story, Jesus describes heaven as a place where you feel like you belong, where you know that you're welcomed. It's a place of light, a place of abundance, and a place of joy and celebration. In contrast, Jesus describes hell as a place where you are shut out, where you are cut off, where you're isolated from the hosts and the guests. And he goes on to say that hell is darkness. Now, in the Bible, light is often used as a metaphor for truth and knowledge. So darkness would imply the opposite, confusion and ignorance. If heaven is about knowing God and the secrets of existence, hell is about not knowing. You know, when a person doesn't have all the information they need, what do we say? We say they're in the dark. Hell means being in the dark forever. And not knowing anything about anything or anyone that really matters to us. The third thing Jesus says about hell in this story is that it will involve anguish. He says, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, weeping is what we do when we're sad and gnashing of teeth is what we do when we're frustrated. And the two of those combined together suggest regret. Knowing you made a terrible mistake and there's nothing that you can do about it. The picture that we get is hell is a place where none of us want to be. Now, by Jesus' own words, we see that he took hell and he took eternal punishment and eternal blessing very seriously. Uh, The eternal destination of people is a huge concern for Jesus and others in Scripture. And while we don't like to talk about it because it's such an important part of Scripture, we have to. And if we want to understand how to avoid spending eternity in hell, we have to deal with it. So with that in mind, let's go back to that tough question. How can a loving God send people to hell? How can a loving God send people to hell? Now, to answer that question, I I, I actually want to do a little dissection of it and deal with this idea of a loving God. So here's the first thing that we need to know about God. God is love. God is love. In the first letter of John, we read this. We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So let's look at that little phrase, God is love, but recognizing what it says about the love of God here. You know, that sentence doesn't say that God possesses love, like like you and I possess love for somebody else, that sentence actually says that God is love, that he is actually the definition of love. What that means is that God cannot do anything that is not loving. All right? If God is love, There's nothing in God's character, nothing in God's ability that he can do that is not loving. Now, people love this idea of a personal relationship with a God of love, but then they struggle with Christianity because of the whole idea of eternal punishment. Let me go back to another example that Tim Keller shares. 
He says, you know, fairly often I meet people who say, you know, I have a personal relationship with a loving God, yet I don't believe in Jesus Christ at all. And he'll say, well, why not? And the reply he gets is, my God is too loving to pour out infinite suffering on anyone for sin. But then he says, you know, if, if you get into the logic of that statement and, and you begin to wrestle with it, you have to ask some other questions. What did it cost this kind of God to love us and to embrace us? What did this God endure in order to receive sinful humans? Where did this God agonize and cry out because of our sins? Where were his nails and his thorns? The only answer that someone could give is they don't think that was necessary. Now, that, that's an ironic statement, Keller points out. Because in our effort to make God more loving, we've actually made God less loving. You, you see, if, if God is not willing to do whatever it takes so that we can have a message of eternal life, even if it causes suffering then we've made God less loving. But that's not what the scripture tells us. The scripture tells us that God is love. And so there is nothing about God that can be unloving. You see, the, the God who is love loves without being made to love us. He loves us even while we are sinners. You know, the reality is that no one disagrees with the statement that God is love. They just can't reconcile that this God who is love would send someone to hell. But let's unpack that part of the question because like we believe that God is love, we also believe, according to Scripture, that God is just. In other words, God seeks justice. In the book of Romans, we read these words. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because God has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, let's look at the scripture. You see, God is righteous and God is just. And when we suppress the truth about God... It tells us that, that God is angry. These verses tell us that, that God has revealed himself to us openly, obviously, in the world, through nature, through creation. It tells us that God took the initiative toward humanity to show his reality to us. Remember, God is love and he wants us to know him and his love. Through the creation of the world, through nature, we see the evidence of God if we've nothing, heard nothing else about him. But what that creation reveals to us is that there is a God. A God that we can actually know, that we can actually believe in, that we can actually follow. But then this is what he says. He says, when we intentionally suppress the truth about God, when instead of letting people know there is a God and we suppress the truth or... 
when we reject that loving God and continue to do things our own way, according to scripture, that's sin, we suppress the truth. When we do that, we're guilty of preventing others from coming to know the truth that there is a God who loves them. And when we suppress his message, it says we're sinning. So we sin against God. We're guilty of committing crimes against God. One writer explains the justice, the just nature of God this way. Justice requires adequate payment for crimes committed. The only just punishment for high treason against our perfect creator is eternal separation from him. That separation means the absence of goodness, of light, of relationship, and joy, with, which are all facets of God's nature. To excuse our sin would require God to be less than just and to allow sin-tainted humans into his perfect heaven would render the perfection of heaven less than perfect. So we have this sense that God's nature is love and that God's nature is just and he cannot compromise those things. So the just nature then of God prevents him from doing things that contradict who he is. His nature is holy and just and he cannot come into the presence of sin. In his nature, though, God allows for the atonement of sins, for the, the payment of sins. In other words, we can pay for our sins. In the book of Romans, again, this is what it says about our sins. In the first part of verse 23 in the sixth chapter, it says the wages of sin are death. In other words, sin's payment is death. When we sin, what we deserve is death. When anybody sins, the Bible says we deserve death. That means that our unholy acts, our sinful acts, require a death. Now, you read through the Old Testament, you understand it's a death of a living thing, not necessarily a person. Now, as followers of Jesus, we understand that God has allowed Jesus' death to be the payment for our sins. Now, here's what the second part of that verse, verse 23, says. It says, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, through Jesus coming to earth and showing us the way to God and being willing to be the atoning sacrifice, the payment for our sins, he made forgiveness available to anyone who will accept that forgiveness and believe in him. God is love. And so he loves us and he doesn't want us to be separated from him. But because he's just and requires a payment for sin, he went the extra mile and he made a way that our sins could be forgiven and we could be able to stand in front of God. To the world's amazement, he sent Jesus to be that atoning sacrifice. So God is love, God is just, and really what we're moving into is that, that this other truth about God, that God is merciful. God is merciful. When we see God's mercy revealed, we see it revealed in, in many ways, but look at how the Apostle Paul talks about God's mercy. In the book of Colossians, this is what he says, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled 
the charge of our legal indebtedness that stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. In other words, he's taken away the charge for our crimes of our sins, and he has brought forgiveness through his death on the cross. God's mercy is revealed first in the fact that God sent Jesus. He didn't have to do that, but he's merciful, and so he did. He sent Jesus so that we could know the way to, way to God. Second, knowing that there was no way that we could pay the price of our sins, in his mercy, God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins through his death on the cross. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. God did that for every single person on this earth who has lived and who will live. And all he does is offer it to us to receive. We need to understand that God doesn't send anyone to hell. He gives us that choice. And we read about this in John chapter 3. This is a familiar verse to many of you, but let's go on beyond it. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. We're saved by faith, but do you see what the scripture says? It's by our choice. Our salvation, our, our eternal destination is not determined by God. It's determined by our choice to believe or not to believe. So with that understanding, God doesn't send anyone to hell. This loving God does not do that. Everyone is given the choice to believe and be saved for eternity or to not believe and reject Jesus and be eternally separated from God. Every single human being has that choice. We will spend eternity based on the decision that we make to choose to believe or to choose to not believe in Jesus. This is free will. That's the mercy of God. He gives us the freedom to choose to believe or not to believe. And really, that's rooted in the fact that God is love. You, you know, to make somebody choose you, to make somebody choose to love you is, would not be love. So he gives us the opportunity to choose. To choose to love him and believe in what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis has written this. There are two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell choose that, C.S. Lewis says. So here's the answer to the tough question. How can a loving God send people to hell? God is loving and he freely loves us all. And he wants us to spend forever with him. And God is just. All sin offends God and requires a payment. In his mercy, through Jesus, the price of our sins are paid by his death on the cross. And in his mercy, 
God offers this freely to who will ever receive it. So we decide. We decide where we will spend eternity by what we decide to believe. To believe in Jesus or not to believe in Jesus. It's shocking when you understand that. It's the choice given to all of us. But we understand that that's how much God loves us. So how should we then, now that we know this, how should we uh, talk about hell? Should we? Well, actually, I think we should. Because it's important. Because people's eternities, their eternal destinations rest on whether or not they know this. This is offered freely to anyone. I think the best way for us to talk about it is the way Jesus talked about it. You know, Jesus didn't beat people up with a message of heaven or hell. He didn't try to slam them. He didn't try to guilt them. He wasn't about policing people's behavior. But he revealed it in love and in justice and in mercy because he wanted all people to know. You know, uh, being a Christian, calling yourself a Christian is, is basically you're saying you believe in Jesus, that you've accepted what he's offered. So it's not Christians against everybody else. It's Jesus did this for everybody and he offers it freely to everybody. Jesus tells a story in the Gospel of Luke. And in this story, I think it illustrates the importance of why you and I need to make sure that we don't shy away from this topic, from this question. He tells a story about two men. One of the men ends up in hell. And quite soon after he realizes what he has done to himself, he's distressed. So Jesus tells the story. He said, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That's a, that's a metaphor for heaven. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment he looked up and saw Abraham, Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you were in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So the man answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He replied to him, 
If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced if someone rises from the dead. So why do you think Jesus told this important story? Why do you think he thought it was so important? This is why you and I also need to understand why it's important to talk about this. You know, the first reason I believe Jesus told this story is, look, everybody dies. Rich people, poor people, good people, bad people. Death is a common denominator for all of us. You know, the reality is this, is we don't know when our lives on this earth will end. In the past couple of years, I've known people who were younger than me who all of a sudden died with, with no expectation, no consequence of health or issues beforehand. None of us knows how long we have on this earth. And so we need to take eternity seriously and be prepared. Here's the second reason I think Jesus told this story. Jesus is telling this story um, that death is not the end of our lives. Yes, we will have an earthly life, but he's also saying that there's an eternal life. And the eternal life is going to go a lot longer than life on earth. Everyone spends eternity somewhere. That's what Jesus is saying. He wants to make it clear that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And the decisions we make on earth will determine where we spend eternity. The third reason I think Jesus told this story was he wanted to make it clear that where we spend eternity is based on a decision. A decision to believe in him. Uh, he, he was very prophetic in what he said. He said, I don't even believe if somebody returns from the dead, they will believe. A little foreshadowing of his death and his resurrection. We're still people struggle to believe in the reality of Jesus. Here's the fourth reason I think Jesus told that story. Did you notice that the last thing uh, Jesus said was that this rich man who found himself in hell all of a sudden recognizes that he's got family. He's got friends who are still alive, who need to understand that the reality is there is a heaven and a hell. There is a place where we will spend eternity and we have to recognize that. You know, he never cared about spiritual things until he discovered the truth. And once he was there, he became an evangelist. He wanted to make sure that those people he knew and loved would understand hell and heaven are real. So the answer, you know, why does a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send people to hell. He gives us a choice. And as we've sort of summarized with this story about the rich man and Lazarus, after death in their places of eternity, one in heaven and one in hell. I have to ask you, where do you see yourself in the story? Maybe you're like the man who finds himself in a place where he doesn't want to be. And maybe you want to make sure you're going to be in heaven and not in hell. You can do that today. You can make that decision today. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make sure that you will spend eternity in heaven.
But maybe others of you already know that decision. You've made it and you know that through your faith in Jesus, you're going to spend forever in heaven. But maybe you find yourself like that man who, who realizes, I've got some people that I really need to share the truth about Jesus with. That I'm convicted that there are people that I know and love who are very important to me and I've never shared that with them. Look, if, if you're thinking about them right now, I want to encourage you wherever you are, actually, you know, pull out your phone and open a note and write down their names or take out a piece of paper and write down their names. Why? Because you need to begin praying for them that you will sense a time where you can have a very important conversation with them. Not because you want to beat them over the head with this truth, but because you love them and you're concerned about their eternity. Not only would I encourage you to, to begin praying about them, but, but I would encourage you to, to even think about how you would talk about that. And maybe you're saying, well, I'm not sure how to talk about it. Well, let me give you one suggestion. Today's message will be online by tomorrow afternoon. Maybe you want to take an opportunity to say, hey, I heard this message that I think is really important. Could we listen to it together and then talk about it afterwards? You know, the reality is this. All of us will die and all of us will spend eternity somewhere. The message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ sounds exclusive, but it's not. It's inclusive. It's offered to everyone. And you and I have been chosen by God to be the messengers of that message. So I want to close in prayer this morning. And in that closing, I want to do two things. I want to pray for you that you would uh, begin to pray for your friends and family members who uh, don't know Jesus, who don't know where they'll spend eternity, and God will provide you with a, an opportunity to share that with them. But I also want to do this. As I said, there's probably some of you here in this room or online today who haven't made that decision about where you'll spend eternity. And I'm going to give you the opportunity today just to begin to, to, to make sure that you know by saying a prayer, and there's nothing magical about that prayer, but it's you saying, I'm going to decide to believe in Jesus and follow him. Because salvation only comes through Jesus. Eternal life only comes through him. So wherever you are, I invite you to bow your heads. And as we move into this prayer, for those of you who want to profess your faith in Jesus, I'm going to give you some words that you can put in your own words and you can pray them back silently to God. And if you do pray that prayer, I would encourage you to send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc so we can give you some more information and help you learn more about this decision. So let's pray. Father, as we've gathered in this room today to answer this uh, tough question, why does a loving God send people to hell? We're grateful to know that you don't send us to hell. That you have sent your son, Jesus, so we will not spend eternity in hell, but we'll spend eternity with you. And you've told us that we can have that promise by accepting the forgiveness that Jesus offers us and believing in him. So if you want to accept that forgiveness and believe in Jesus. Very simply, just repeat these phrases to God. Put them in your own words. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. Go ahead and repeat that silently wherever you are. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. 
And I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And today I want to follow him for the rest of my life. And Lord, we say so be it to that prayer, but I'm going to continue praying for the rest of us. Father, in all of our lives, there are people that we know and love that need to know about your son, Jesus Christ, that need to know that you love everybody and you want everybody to spend eternity with us. And on our own, we couldn't pay for our sins, but you've made a way in your mercy. So Lord, we ask that you would give us the words, the ability that you would open doors to life-changing conversations, significant conversations where we can share this love in caring and compassionate ways with our friends and our family and our loved ones and, and whoever you put in our path. And, and so, Lord, we pray in confidence that, that you will empower us through your spirit that when that opportunity arises, we will walk in that power and that we will know and love you pray this in Jesus' name. We're going to close with a song. It's a powerful song. It's what a beautiful name. It's a worship song to God, but there's a phrase in that song that I just want you to, to remember. It says that, that God didn't want heaven without us. You see, we have a, a loving God who doesn't want any of us to spend eternity in punishment, but it, spend eternity with him. So let's stand and worship that God as we close. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.